Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute. We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project-based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts. Hi, everyone. Tati and I are so blessed today to have two amazing women with us, uh, Katie Richens and Olivia Vota. And Katie and Olivia are uh, some of our school leadership training um, uh, trainers, and they helped put together that program, and it is doing an am amazing job supporting our communities. And Olivia did a webinar recently that really made me want to know more. And I know just from the people that I, I, I've been talking to that attended the webinar, they want to know more. And so I reached out to Olivia and asked her if we could have this additional conversation to talk more about community and uh, the difference between community and networking. And um, yeah, and Tati, I know you have started your community just a few years ago. So this probably was really relevant, this webinar. And by the way, the recordings are available um, for, the, uh, for the webinars through our subscription product. I'll be sure and put a, a link in the show notes. But Tati, um, what did you get from the webinar that that we watched? I think it was really an amazing like paradigm shift for me as to what we're really trying to accomplish. Um, I think sometimes we get lost in like the nitty gritty of like doing the projects and getting the kids there every week and do all those things. And like we forget, like it's kind of like need to take a step back and look at what we're really building. And so I really loved um, the discussion that we had on the webinar. It was very helpful for me. And I think it was also very helpful for me because um, I think one of the things you see in homeschooling a lot is there'll be these, um, you know, that one of the biggest weaknesses of homeschooling is that what about their social, right? So parents try to, because you can't just isolate your children their whole entire life and not have access to social community. So there's lots of different models that you see that have been formed and created to meet that need that homeschool parents have of needing that socialization and those outside peers. Um, and I think it was just really eye-opening for me to realize like, okay, whoa, when I'm looking for something for my child, what really do I want it to be? Do I want it to be a community or do I want it to be a network? And I think there's a purpose for both. Like definitely don't think like one or the other, but the very fact that really there's there's a big difference between community and network. And I think community is harder and um, it requires a different setup. Um, so kind of things like questions I wanted to to ask is what kind of personality does it take to build community versus the personality it takes to build network? Does that make sense? Because like as a leader in a Commonwealth, like it is my, am I overbearingly maybe creating a network not intending to, you know, like, is there a type of personality or just a way of going forward that ensures you can build a community and not a network? What do you ladies think about that? Yeah, I, 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 I'm not, I, I've never thought of it as personalities um, necessarily, but um, I think um, it's definitely a mindset. Yeah. Okay. Maybe mindset's a better, like different yeah. what kind of mind, what kind of mindset, there we go. What kind of mindset do you ha need to have as the founder of a, of a mm -hmm. community versus a founder of a network? What's the mindset difference? Yeah. The article does a really great job of, of the, and just so that everybody knows the article is communities versus networks to which do you belong by Brett and Kate McKay. Um, you can find that on the artofmanliness.com website. And they do a phenomenal job of distinguishing between networks and communities. And, um, but now going back to the idea of, of the mindset that you need, you know, the mindset, I think of someone who's searching for um, 
a network, like a homeschool, let's, let's talk about homeschoolers in, in particular, right? When they're, when I, I've met both, I've met people who are hungry for connection. They're hungry for community. They're hungry for, I've heard people say tr their tribe, they're looking for their tribe, right? And a tribe, I think just if you think of the word tribe, it, it means, it means tightness, closeness. It requires a lot of you. Um, whereas I'm, I've also met people who are looking to meet specific needs for their children. Um, and usually for their children and not necessarily for themselves. You know, my, my kids need social opportunities. My kid needs um, science, science classes, or they need um, ballroom and dance or whatever, right? So they're looking for specific, specific things, specific needs to be met. Whereas I think the mindset of uh, someone who's seeking community is they, they want a home for their soul. They want a home for their family. And, and that comes with certain behaviors that you have to be willing to, um, to enact in order to be a part of, of a community that behaviors that are not required in a network. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Katie? Well, um, to kind of go back to the original question a little bit, I'll, I'll lead into connecting to where you are. Um, I have seen witnessed Olivia start a community, right? And she has an engaging personality. Um, so I saw that in live in action and I saw people responding initially at first to her personality, but nobody that stayed, stayed because of personality. She made sure that she, she uh, involved other people um, in the right things so that nobody was there for just her personality long-term. So while people came for that reason, because she's fun to be around and knowledgeable and um, you know, loves to share her uh, insights with other people and hear theirs. Um, people had to convert to sharing the same purpose with the organization, be there for the organization, not for her to stay long-term. Otherwise, when something comes up in your life, um, when there's an obstacle, you won't wanna overcome it just for the sake of personality. That's why I think that a personality-based community really network would be short-term. It wouldn't be long-term. Um, so it would just kind of pass away as the immediate need passes away, but it wouldn't be long-term and it certainly wouldn't be transformational like true community is. Oh, I, I have a I have a really good example of this. Can I share this with you? Can I share it? Oh, this is such a good example. So when I moved from Utah to, and, and, and I apologize for people who in my community who have heard this story a million times because I share it all the time. It's just such a good illustration of what we're talking about. So I moved from Utah and I came from Rise Up and, and I arrived in Tucson and there was no Commonwealth. And I didn't know that. I just took it for granted because I was, I, I was like, in paradise in Utah, everywhere you at the time, even back then you could, you still had access to Commonwealth, you know, fairly within, within a fairly reasonable um, driving distance. But then I got here and there was nothing. And so for a couple of years, maybe for a year, we didn't do anything. We just kind of did our own thing. And my kids, my kids were, were young. Sierra was like nine, my oldest. So it was okay. But I knew, I knew that I, I, I wanted her to be, to take the, the scholar projects. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. But anyway, in the interim, we joined a co-op and I called it, lovingly called it the Island of the Misfits because it was all of the people who couldn't join the big Christian homeschool. I mean, big, big Christian homeschool group in Tucson because we couldn't, we didn't feel like we could sign um, the statement of faith right? You had to sign a statement of faith in order to be admitted into this co-op. So a woman, um, and I, I, don't even, I don't even remember her name anymore, started this other co-op for everyone else who wanted to be, you know, who wanted their kids to have time together. Um, anyway, so we, so we joined it and it was fine. It, it was, uh, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't awesome, but it certainly fed, uh, or it filled the social needs that my little kids had. And it was, and it was fine. One day, <laughs> At like the student showcase at the end of the year, she gets up and it might not even, sorry, it might've even been December. I don't think it, I don't think it was the end of the year. It was like in December. She got up and said, uh, my family's moving. This is where she announced it. My family's moving and, and we're moving to Texas. And um, so if some, if you guys want this to continue, then someone needs to step up to the plate and be president. And we're all sitting, like, imagine that a student showcase, you're sitting there and someone drops this bomb. There's no plan, right? There's no plan for continuing anything. And fortunately, 
there was a woman who said, uh, okay, like I'll do it, you know, and, and others volunteered to, to fill other positions. So I, you're not going to believe this, Katie. I don't think you know this. Maybe you do. I was the treasurer. <laughs> I was the treasurer. Not because I can't, I'm not, we're not laughing because I can't be trusted with money. It's because I'm not detail oriented and I don't keep, you know, I'm just not detail oriented with books, but anyway, I stepped up because nobody else would do it. So so this was going to fall apart because this woman was going to leave it. And fortunately, someone did stand up and, and said, okay, I'll do it. But there was no organization. There was no vision that held us together because again, you know, some of us were complete and, and total unschoolers. Um, and it was a stretch for them to even come to this kind of like level of organization, which to me was like, we're barely organized. And then other people, right, who were classically educating their children at home, they just didn't have a community around them where they lived. So we, we had this whole spectrum and very few of us agreed on what we really wanted for our children for education. We were just there for the social part. So then one day, the, pre the person we thought was president and the person we thought wanted to be president had a had a breakdown, had a meltdown in our meeting and said, why does everybody keep looking to me for for answers? I'm not the, it's not like I'm the president and we're like looking at each other going, what? What did she say? What did she just say? She's like, yeah, I'm not the president. I never agreed to be the president. And I'm not kidding. It was just a, it was a, one of those moments where you're like, am I dreaming? You know, like what's going on? This can't be real. She, and, and so she was, she, she was ready to quit it and let it all go. You let it all fall apart because she was super stressed out, right? That she, she signed up to do something that she really didn't really want to do. And I share that because I share that because that was a very loosely connected network that was hanging on by by threads right it there wasn't a common vision and there wasn't there was a minor willingness to sacrifice but when it got too hard we were like why are we even doing this right this woman was like why am i even doing this this is stressing me out this is this is causing friction in my life with you know you people why am i even doing this and and so i think that's the that's that that's where you have a difference right there is that is that a network requires asks so little of people theoretically asks so little of people um and and but you get what you pay for right you get what you pay for so there's it's not going to last long just like katie said because commitment is so low commitment is transient and the moment it stops giving you what you what you thought you were signing up to get you're out of there right you're out of there so they're not made to last long so i have this idea and maybe i'm off i'm this is off but does the element of community require shared ownership it, it kind of though is scary to do that because then you're like isn't that kind of like marxism and in some way it's like like you know this communal idea of like everybody's equal and owns something or or, or is it because like when I was thinking about it, like the co-ops that I've been part of that are personality run, it's exactly what you described is that the 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 person has this idea, doesn't delegate well because they yeah. don't think that you can do their idea the way that they want to do it. Right. So, or they like, and then they, they have life crisis, something comes up and the whole thing just fizzles out because nobody's going to take up and do it because they don't have the same ownership of it. So what level why is ownership an aspect of community and what is your responsibility like in in the community of like ownership it's a great question i think that uh, what we can see with top down organizations top down networks is there uh to maintain goodwill when a few people or one person are making all the decisions there has to be this kind of illusion of caring about what what other people think um in top down networks there might not be very much understanding or knowledge of what the general member is experiencing. And so I think that that's a big kind of weakness of that kind of network. Um, whereas a community, when, when we're sharing roles, when we're switching in and out of roles, when we're um, elevating other people into leadership and trusting other people to, to lead, members are then naturally part of the decision-making. They're exercising their agency. They're seeing the results of that they are not only sharing the weight, they're sharing like the joy of the results too, then, in my opinion. So I think this kind of peer representation where we trust uh, some elected peers 
to service for a time and move in and out of those roles is the most kind of elevating um, you, not them, um, inspiring leadership experience that I can think of. It kind of ele elevates the individual genius. It brings out the individual genius and recognizes it in people, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And uh, we've been fortunate that early on, Tiffany um, turned me on to the book Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. And, and the idea of multipliers, if you haven't read it, is that that you leaders multiply the genius of their of, of the leaders or the people in their in their organization right and so you're moving them through leadership you're growing their leadership um and and i i you have i think that in order to grow leadership you have to be bought in you have to feel like you have a sense of ownership there should be a sense of a sense of ownership um, I love one of the things that we, we say at Altis that our young boys and our young girls, I think our young girls say it too, is see a need, fill a need. Is that just the boys, Katie, or the girls do? Yeah. I think it's both. Both. Yeah. See a need, fill a need, right? Like we, we, sh we say that and we share that with everybody. And so the idea of seeing a need and then choosing to fill a need inherent is that inherent in that desire to fill the need is a sense of ownership right? Why, why do I pick up the trash if I'm walking through a campus, our campus, because this is my community, right? This is my campus and we don't own it. It's a Presbyterian church that we, that we rent, but this is, this is my community. I, I, I want, and the place, I want the place to look clean and orderly for our children and for myself and so that we can continue a good relationship with them. So I don't know that you can have a thriving, growing community that's healthy and strong and building leaders, unless that, unless your culture is rooted in this idea of ownership. I think you have to, you have to have a, uh, the principle of ownership. You have to be founded on that principle. So then, okay. Why, why is community something you should strive for in the first place? Like, cause to me, like there's so much I'm already doing <laughs> between my callings and my church community and then my family and then my extended family like homeschooling like what's the motivation to really that you've seen that build this community which requires a lot more emotional strength <laughs> sometimes it does. it does um so why would I do this like what what's the motivation you feel like I think we're fundamentally social beings. Like all of us are fundamentally social beings. We, we deep down all need connection and we have access to illusions of connection all around us. And like we said earlier, they're simpler. Like network is simpler. We know who's doing what, we ask them to do it. Maybe we have a, a tiny role, maybe we don't do anything, but we delegate in networks to somebody else to take care of it. So it is simpler, it is easier. There's less time involved. When there's less time involved, there's also less sacrifice involved. I think sacrifice by its very nature invites us to growth. Um, it's where we find meaning in community. Um, I think it's where we uh, can become the best versions of ourselves. We learn so much about ourselves and what it is to be human and how to care about others in community. And we can't experience it nearly to the same depth as we do in network. So I think we have a, a generation, maybe generations, multiple generations of people who have lived, grown up, um, with very few of us having experienced true community in our lives. And I think we're seeing the results of that. I think we see the desperate loneliness. Um, we see the despair, um, the judgment, the isolation that comes from living outside of community. And I don't think we like those fruits, those results, right? So if we don't like those results of what we're seeing, what we're experiencing, we kind of have to change what we do, I think. And Community, I think, is the the best way to do that, to be our best selves, to find the connection and meaning we need to. Yeah, I love that. I love everything Katie said, and I echo everything she already said. Um, I, I also think that, well, Kate, like Katie said, we're social beings, right? So for, for, just for our emotional and mental health, we need community. And why I think that a lot of us feel like we don't have time to invest into community is because so much of our time is actually spent on networks, is so much of our time is sucked up 
by networks. If you were to take, if you were to write down, right, all of the organizations that you belong to or all of the networks that you belong to, even if they're in-person networks or um, not just the online networks, but the in-person networks and the online networks. And if you were to quantify how much time you we spend on that, it makes sense that people feel like I don't have time for something that requires so much of me because it's not just the time that gets sucked. It's, it's like, it's not filling us. These networks don't really fill us. Um, right. So, so we're running on, on fumes, like emotionally and mentally we're running on fumes, um, because that's what's they're They're not filling us. And so there's nothing left there for a community, but we, we do need a community. Um, again, for the, all the reasons that Katie just said, but, and like I just said, emotional and mental health, um, that to me, that's, that, that's, that's, all, that's really big on my mind right now is I've, I've been listening to a few podcasts about, um, mental health in, in the, in youth, um, but also in men and the, and one of the, one of the leading indicators, right. For suicide, high suicide rates. And also for the, this feeling of, um, isolation and estrangement is, is, um, is, is a lack of community. And, and so I, so then my question is where, well, where do you find community? Where do we find it? And maybe you're a homeschool community. Maybe, maybe some people have a legitimate reason to feel like I'm already pouring myself into my neighborhood community, or maybe my, my church community, but I'll tell you, I don't know that that's the vast majority of people. I, I don't think so. Um, I belong to a very strong church community, but I'm not as connected. I, the, the, and this is really tragic. And most likely, probably, you know, not most likely, it definitely is a reflection of the effort that I put into it. But my, like the connections that I feel at Altus are much stronger and much deeper. And so my need for community is definitely satisfied by, by, by Altus. Does that make sense? So I pour into Altus um, and, and I, you know, I make time for Altus and for Altus events because it is the, it is, it's my community. It's the place where I get community. I, I get it in different, to different degrees in my church community. And I don't get it at all in my neighborhood, but in my, those are the two places where I would say I get community, my church community and my homeschool community. Does that make sense? And, and so I, I think if you're already pouring yourself into another community, then maybe that it may feel like, why do I need this other one? But I, I think the vast majority of people are just, their time is just taken up by networks, not necessarily community. Do you think that the LIBOR community with our, really our, our foundational principles of, of leadership and purpose and mission kind of helps, helps with that? Uh, you know, um, I, I, I agree. I don't think I have community outside of Lemmy and, and the LIBOR community I belong to because I don't have that shared purpose in other areas of my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I do, I, I, yeah, I, I do think shared purpose is, is huge. I was talking to Katie and I was telling her that, that I grew up in a church community that was uh, almost all immigrants. We were almost all immigrants and we were all, um, mostly all of us converts to this, to, to, to my faith. Right. And so we were together, we were experiencing a lot of new things together and we really, really needed each other. So it wasn't just that our lives came together um, at church. It was that we were also experiencing the United States as immigrants. We were also experiencing our, um, our new faith as new converts. And so we had this shared purpose to make it work, to survive in the United States and then to figure out how to be, you know, uh, disciples of Jesus Christ in a way that was different from the traditions that our parents had grown up with. Does that make sense? So that 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 happens also in homeschooling for the vast majority of us. Katie and I were talking about this, how how we have this shared purpose. Um, most of us were not homeschooled, right? Tati excluded. Most of us were not homeschooled, and so the the patterns like these are new patterns to us, new patterns for learning, new patterns for teaching. 
And, and so we're, we're bound together because we're doing something hard together. Being an immigrant is hard. And to, and so you seek community to figure it out together. Being a homeschooler is challenging. And so we seek other homeschoolers out to help us figure it out. Right. So we have this shared purpose that, that brings us together on not just like, oh, we're homeschoolers. No, we're homeschoolers doing leadership education and, and we've never done it before. So there's multiple points of connection there that gives us a really strong sense of mission and, and shared purpose. And I, I think that's why this feels like true community because we're doing something hard together. Yeah, I know my my boys, when they were growing up, my older boys, they were like, okay, mom, you're just raising us weird because, you know, <laughs> not only, it's not only, we, we aren't only just homeschoolers, which is first level of weirdness, but we're <laughs> leadership education homeschoolers. So we're just like taking it to the max in this weirdness category. And um, they loved it when they could meet other communities. Mm. And it's like, okay, we're not the only one only weird ones here so <laughs> not alone we're not isolated yeah. right yeah yeah, yeah. you want to yeah. feel you don't want to feel isolated in yeah. Your choices. yeah so there's a book called bowling alone have you heard of that book you um, mentioned it i feel like you mentioned it uh, during the last podcast that yeah maybe i did robert putman okay um, but it's kind of it goes along these same ideas of this idea that you know we used to be a nation of communities you know people would join like the rotary club and they joined all these things but now like all these people are we're just why are we all alone well after he wrote that book he wrote a book called our kids and he talks he took the census data from the 1950s and he compared the census data to the 19 to 2000 and so 50 years worth of census data and he wanted to try to understand what keeps the rich rich and the poor poor and uh, what keeps the middle class the middle class and uh, one of the things that he observed was that the key element from a person breaking the generational gap between the poor and the rich so like a, a kid that like grows up you know in real intense poverty but then is able to achieve wealth is the influence of a mentor in their lives not paid to be in their lives but an adult wow. in their lives who was invested in them as an individual it's just like no no paid monetary transaction involved but just one adult it, and it only had to be one adult that was invested in them believed in them and gave them the tools that they needed to succeed and i thought it was super fascinating because if i look back at growing up in uh in a commonwealth school um and think about why I think all of my siblings I mean life has been hard so we're not all perfect but we definitely all very grounded and sane which is a lot to say like yeah. in today's world as millennials um I think the reason why we have that stability and that sanity is because we all had um adults in our lives that weren't our parents that weren't our church leaders that were weren't paid to be there <laughs> but like genuinely really really cared for us like um I can name several and I won't name names but several of the women and even some of the, the dads in the community they were fully invested in us believed in us and and really were there for us um and I think that's like looking back on like why do I want a community it's for my children in in because I think we've talked a lot about like a community for uh, your own benefit as a homeschooled mom but one of the things i think a great benefits of a community for your children is that that idea that in comes somebody who just genuinely loves your child mm -hmm. and really sees the greatness in them and can see that ways that you ne don't necessarily see them right because like you're stuck with them every day sometimes and they're just yeah. stuck in whatever mess but genuinely has like this hope and is really just a, a love for them and I think that's to me one of the biggest benefits of choosing to be in a community is the opportunity that I have to mentor and to just you know unconditionally love this next generation but then also see that my children receive that same love you know and that love is motivating you know 
because like even with even though my kids aren't in the scholar phase you know we still have our love of learning program but just to see that these other parents love my children like and ask them to do things they will do things for them that they would never do for me (laughs) because it's like you know um and so I think like to me one of the main benefits that I felt of, of a community is is it taught me how to love people who I didn't agree with who were different from me who you know came from different backgrounds but we were all trying to do something which was you know achieve a great education and that really helped me as a youth thrive we're interrupting this broadcast to invite you to ask questions or share your epiphanies in the comment section and if you're enjoying this podcast please consider leaving us a good review on the platform you are using because that really helps others find our content. Also, check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com. You just highlighted a distinction between communities and networks and networks are transactional. Whereas, you know, um, there's much more going on in the relationships between people that are in in a community. So when something is transactional, if you feel like, hey, I've gotten what I want out of this, or what's the what's the lowest price I can pay for this product that I want? That that doesn't lend itself very, very well to love. You know what I mean? It doesn't translate. It doesn't translate equally over to love because love is the opposite. You have to, in in a lot of instances you, especially as a mentor with youth that are struggling to figure out who they are, you feel like you're given a lot and maybe they're not giving back a lot, right? They're not very maybe appreciative of of what you're doing, of the hours that you're spending trying to present the best lecture or come up with the best simulation, and you're giving so much and they're giving so little. So if you have a transactional mindset, you're not going to last very long in that environment because the price is too high and and so i i think that the quality even the quality of mentoring is vastly different i'm sure that you could find good mentors within networks who are just built to mentor they just do it out of the generosity of their hearts right but that's not the mindset that's not the general mindset that that is um that's fostered in a network which is to give even if you're not getting back um in equal amounts or in the right amount that you feel is the right, right. For the, for the price that you're laying down. Yeah. We feel the difference. I think when people are approaching anything that we're doing in community, in, in connection with other people, if people are approaching that with scarcity, doing that, that bare minimum that you talked about, we feel it. The result indicates it. And when we're going in with the generous generosity of our hearts, with the hope that together we can create something um, better then that's what happens. And I was talking to um, some moms in our community last week in Family Foundations, and uh, we were talking about what community, uh, what the culture is of our community. And um, and they said some great things, but one of the things that a newer mom said, she's joined us this year, um, is that she felt connection and acceptance right away. She felt it for her kids. Every one of her kids felt it, and she felt it. So when we're feeling at all these levels of our family, we we feel like we really belong. So I think the flip side of that, like we have this, this family belonging, we're supporting the family instead of the family supporting the network. Um, the flip side of that is kind of like we're out for ourselves, right? In the absence of that, I'm going to do what I gotta do to survive or to get the most that I can out of this. And that promotes individualism, right? Which is just not healthy for anybody involved. So um, So I see, that connection happening. I see families on every level feeling it. And while we don't have many dads showing up weekly for our um, the days that we are learning together, um, our dads feel it too. Our dads are getting a sense of this connection and this community and this belonging. And what uh, asset to them who are often working in stressful environments, maybe with feelings of isolation or competition, um, alone, um, maybe not on a team that feels uh, productive, and so what what uh, what an addition to their lives to also feel that connection. it's It's definitely family centered. It sounds like in order to be part of a community, you really have to put yourself out there. I mean, you have to have some sense of um vulnerability. There has to be vulnerability in in the transactions that you have with other people. 
to have it be a community, a true community. Is that what you guys think? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, I, I kind of joked about this at our mom's retreat when we, when we read this article and discussed it, that, that, um, whatever facade we because we're we're we all want to present ourselves in, in a particular way right to, to other people and whatever facade you think you can keep up for a certain amount of time that breaks down when you're showing up with your children week after week after week right <laughs> like week after week at some point someone's going to forget their shoes at home someone is not going to do their hair right someone is not going to do their their presentation on time. And so whatever facade of perfection that maybe, or put togetherness, right? Like we're so put together or whatever, whatever it is, um, it breaks down. And so vulnerability, like it's thrust on you because your children, you're bringing your children along. Maybe if it was just us by ourselves, we could keep up the facade a little longer, but I'm sorry, kids, kids make us real. Kids show us as we really are. And they, sh they keep us real. And I, I just don't see how you cannot be vulnerable when, again, you show up and, you know, one of your kids is wearing one shoe on one foot and a boot on the other, and they didn't comb their hair. And they're, you're like, I tried, <laughs> right? And it happens week after week. So you, yeah, vulnerability. I, I just don't know how you do it without vulnerability when your kids are coming along. Totally agree. And for us, I think when we have every member involved, um, there's no member that's not mentoring that feels vulnerable for a lot of the moms. They're showing up and doing something that they maybe True. don't feel is their strength, or maybe they're not as good as somebody else is right. how they feel. And so that can feel vulnerable to try to bring your best and maybe wonder if your best is good enough. Mm -hmm. So that, that vulnerability is, is very real. Yeah. And mentoring something that maybe you weren't particularly excited to, but they needed it, or maybe you feel out of your depth, right? You're, you're, you're mentoring Shakespeare and you've never even you've never even read one of his plays or watched one of his plays. And now you're putting on one of his plays. I can be super, a very vulnerable place to be. So yeah, it's part, I mean, it's part for the course in community. Yeah. I feel like you can't be a Shakespeare mentor and not be extremely vulnerable. <laughs> so many awkward things that you have to do and just have to take like deep breaths and be like, okay, we're going to be vulnerable. We're going to do this. <laughs> yeah. But I also think there's an element of vulnerability that sometimes we don't understand, which I think is humility. Because I think like, I mean, I'm a very a dominant personality I mean I'm I'm an introvert so I don't often talk a lot unless I have to but um like I, I have a very dominant pr presence um and so I'm also just like the the rock in my family who's like always just there just the most solid in of all my siblings probably <laughs> they would probably all say that like you know when my sister went to college everyone was so happy they like felt like they had their own personal power and when I went to college everyone fell apart and the house fell apart and nothing worked but like so like that's what I've always felt that that's the role and I've realized that being if I really want a community there's a responsibility on my shoulders to allow other people to serve me and to allow other people to see that I don't have everything together. And I don't like, I'm not always like, you know, then there's that responsibility not to like, like be, woe is me, you know, not, not to like go do that, but just to be like, be real, you know, when I'm not doing well, just be like, yeah, it's a crappy day. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, and be humble enough to admit that with with the and and to be have the courage to admit that you know admit that to myself even you know um and it's been amazing because like as as I've decided that that's what I've needed to do mostly because I mean uh my mentors my great Lemmy mentors here like Sherry Gagan and other people have inspired me to make that I've noticed that I feel like I have a community more right because I've chosen to not hold back but not not that I'm throwing up everybody on my woes every week I'm not like using my community mm -hmm. as like a counseling session but like mm -hmm. I'm just being honest right I'm just being honest and you know just being truthful and like when things are really rough be like it's just really really hard and I notice that I've opened up and done that I've gotten some great mentoring from the women in my community who are absolutely phenomenal helpful because I'm the kind of the youngest and it's been really awesome to be able to be get some <laughs> 
experience from other moms <laughs> like oh yeah this this is great way to handle this I'm like oh thank you you know so mm -hmm. i i think but it, it takes a, a level of humility i think for some of us to to be able to 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 choose to be vulnerable i don't know absolutely and then on the part of other people some grace right yeah like your vulnerability is going to kind of fall flat or you won't repeat it if other people aren't willing to extend grace to you we if we're all willing to be vulnerable at different times and we're all willing to give grace when needed and like you said occasionally give like the information or um coaching that somebody might need to take their next step when the occasion calls then we're gonna be fine like if we're if we're doing those things but without that grace like that vulnerability is going to feel too high cost I think mm -hmm. yeah that's a great point you really do have to have that give and take you know that I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be humble and vulnerable and then you have the grace to receive it and not judge and not be like oh you're a terrible horrible person because <laughs> yeah, we're all gonna mess up right like every single one of us is gonna mess up when we're doing so many things together I mess up all the time thank goodness people still will work with me despite that right like so yeah it's necessary I think okay that have a, a this could be a tati tangent we don't necessarily have to go there but is there um I was listening to um, Jeff Sanderson. He's the guy that created uh, the Acton Academies. And he he's all about creating community with the students because they do a lot of like student-led ed led education and a lot of Socratic method and everything. And um, he was saying that they uninvite people from their school. He says he's only had to do it like a couple of times, but he says there's just a certain type of person that will not play. So is there a type, a time when you've, you've experienced or when you're in a community, you're just like, this is not working and you have to ask them to like step out and like, what does that look like? What kind of personality is that? Or, or do we just always extend grace and hope they change? Like, I'm going to let Katie feel this question. <laughs> oh, we, we totally, there's this, it's in culture code that says eliminate bad apples, right? Like get rid of the apple, the bad apple that's kind of spoiling the, the bunch. Um, in action, that's not a pleasant thing to do. Like, I don't want to do it. That doesn't sound fun to me. I don't want to, to indicate to somebody that they're being a bad apple. Um, what we found, I think, um, Olivia would agree, that when expectations, mm -hmm. um, culture are clear and strong enough, mm -hmm. then people who aren't thriving in our environment will self-select out. Absolutely. So, agree. so we'd want to be really clear about our purpose. We want to be really strong in our culture. We want to message the principles we're based on over and over again. And then the people who don't buy in, they're just not going to want to continue. Maybe it's not the right environment for them. In fact, it is not the place where they're going to be happiest. And like, it's a, it's better for all parties for them to find the thing that does make them thrive or help them thrive. So I think that's our, our approach. I actually went through a couple of situations over the years um, where we had to have people, we actually, a couple of people we had to uninvite and it, it was really hard. Um, one instance was a, uh, a mother who we found could not be alone with the kids there were some mental health issues and we had to we tried to work things out you know but the mental health issue just got in the way and we had to just lay down the law it was still th these are the rules we love you we can see your genius but it needs to be shared in a different way and not around not with just the kids and um but she she in effect, because we did that, because we were very clear on our expectations and the principles, and it was not, you're a bad person. It's just, these are the principles we are living by, and we need to have you abide by them. If you can't, this is, you know, these are the things that have to happen. She did, in effect, self-select out um, in a very loud and disturbing way um, with a lot of, um, vitriol towards me but that was because I, I was the one that had to share those expectations and share that she was not meeting them so 
going having that strong governing document that constitution that that mission it protects you in so many different ways because it does it just makes it very clear there were other several other families that would just last a semester or a year because they it was like they couldn't handle it there were others that we know just needed we knew they just needed a little bit more time and we would put them in different places we would put them into the love of learning or core program and allow them to grow as they were witnessing things but it, the leadership had to really kind of use their spiritual eyes to see who was there and who could, who was trying but if if they couldn't catch the vision at all yeah just having those strong governing documents and mission statement and keeping to that that follow through is so important without that follow through those governing documents mean nothing if you're not going to follow them i'm surprised when i hear of governing boards to because who don't um hold people accountable um effectively making their governing documents um pointless at that point right they're they're um they're meaningless your your governing documents may become meaningless your constitution becomes um meaningless if you're not gonna hold people accountable to what's in it and and i know that people the people that i've heard that are afraid or reticent to hold people to a certain standard, it's because they don't want to hurt them or they don't want to hurt their feelings or they feel like, hey, they're in a bad season or they're in a bad place. Um, and and we, we have something called a variance that we recommend people include in their governing documents, a variance request. Now I'm, I'm kind of going into something a little bit different than, than people who create problems maybe, right? Or don't fit into the culture, but I, but, um, but it, it, it kind of goes together. So if somebody has a situation where they can't meet the standard um, for a season or for a very compelling reason, that person, that family shouldn't be kicked out, right? Like just, just because like, okay, you, you can't fit the standard because at some point, some of us won't, most of us maybe won't fit the standard. Um, and so there has to be a mechanism in place to make room for those people to go through what they need to go and, and, and then come back, right. Or, or stay a part of it and then come back to with like their full commitment. Um, and so that's what a variance is. And, and I think those are really helpful and useful if, if they're not abused and if they're used for temporary needs. Um, but I also agree that, that if you, I also think that if you have a very healthy culture supported by clear um, governing documents, a clear constitution, then the people for whom you're just not the right fit, they do self-select out. They really do. The, the majority, I've, I look over seven years of Altus and we have had families that just, they, they chose to not abide by our culture and they were uncomfortable. They were uncomfortable in our culture. And so they removed themselves. Um, and I, 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 we've never had to kick anybody out. Um, fortunately, that's never had to be, that's never had to happen, but there have been people who got close to it and then just on their own selected themselves out. There have been those loving, crucial conversations for sure, where, where we, you know, where somebody, you know, somebody needs to be involved in a discussion instead of it would be a disservice to everybody if the board, for instance, was making a decision about somebody without involving them in the discussion, without understanding what they're experiencing and their perspective. So in those moments where it gets really challenging, um, uh, loving, um, forgiving, grace-filled, crucial conversation with coming up with a plan to move forward is, is usually our approach um, yeah. in those rare instances. And those really are rare. rare. Yeah. They are rare. Yeah. I mean, I just, I had just like two and like what, 17 years. So yeah. yeah. Um, but they do happen. Right. And I think do. that's why it's important for, for the leaders who are, who are building commonwealths or running commonwealths to understand that your greatest resources, your, your documents and make sure that you've spent enough time to protect them. Cause like, as you were talking, the kind of epiphany I had is, is um, in Aristotle's politics, he says that the biggest problem that happens is that you go from the individual to the couple and the family 
to the extended family and then you have this patriarch or this matriarch that's over this family however big it used to be obviously we don't have huge big families like we used to but then all of a sudden when you cross the line like there can be unity if you just look at like one family there can be unity because we're all following this patriarch or this matriarch we all have we're all siblings we're all family and so there's this unity but as soon as you leave that then you you create the community and aristotle said that there had to be a line drawn in which there was contractual agreements between communities because you weren't all of the same family so you didn't naturally have that carry on from like that family unity and without that contractual agreement then you just had warring tribes for ages right because <laughs> this is like how do communities different gen different backgrounds you know, different families or tribes within these different, you know, get together, work together, serve each other without, you know, the 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 stories from the Bible like Cain and Abel and like you know, <laughs> Reuben and Judah and like all these you know brotherly fighting happening. And it has to be that document. And that's why like the word liber or you know liberal is contract, right? And so like I think one of the things that makes liber communities so strong is the contract it's the contract that a lot of families don't even know about <laughs> even if you ask them to read it right. until they serve on the board like uh, what does this contract say or what does this compact say you know and and so that's one of the things i love to do when i'm teaching keep liberty is like why did before they get off the boat they all sign this piece of paper like this is a stupid piece of paper right <laughs> it's like if you read it, it's one paragraph like why does it matter it's because they knew that they were leaving the boat as independent people, not as a, a big family, and they needed something that would hold them together. Because there had been other, you know, Roanoke and Jamestown, they had existed and they had failed. So what had happened, you know, they had a compact, they had an agreement. And that agreement that was written down is what enabled them to prosper and be free. So anyways, that was just an epiphany that I had. Well, and what I... What I love about what you're talking about is that a contract involves two or more parties and we're both agreeing to certain things, right? We're, we're agreeing that we get benefit from this, from this relationship, but there's, there are things that are expected from us as well. And, um, and, and so we're willing to give up certain things or we're willing to do certain things because what we get is greater than what we are sacrificing. Um, and, and I think sometimes that's hard to see when you are in a in a commonwealth and maybe you're operating out of a place of weakness right uh, because of whatever's going on in your life and you start to see you you well, you you fail i should say you fail to see really all the good that's coming to you not just that your kids are getting classes um i have seen families truly strengthened right like outside of just the the academics, the academic subjects that they're studying in as part of our community. I have seen men, this is just like, this blows my mind. Husbands who have changed jobs, husbands who have, who have chosen to leave a career and start a business because they were inspired by the principles that they were learning in our community. That blows my mind. And these are dads who aren't coming to Altus on a weekly basis, right? But they're getting the trickle effect in their lives um, because their wives are sharing these principles with them and they're seeing their kids thriving and they're attending the parent meetings um, and reading the books, um, sometimes, sometimes reading those books. Um, and so the transformation that is available is hard to see because it's it's a long-term process it's not just right like oh my kid got got is getting um shakespeare i can see that he's learning shakespeare but you what you don't see is that over over years that kid is transforming into someone who can live his his or her mission and that transformation can be difficult can be difficult to see um but it makes the contract worth it it makes the the sacrifice really worth it we're, uh, we're almost out of time, but before we end today, I really wanted to get your ideas on how do we help people have that paradigm shift that they need to have in order to be part of this community? Because really, the library community is something that I know I don't find every, anywhere else, really. So how do we help these people? make that paradigm shift to be able to see that 
being part of that community is worth all of the hard work. Because I mean, we all agree, it's a lot of hard work. I think one very easy place to start is by reading this article, honestly, by, um, by the art of manliness. This is a great place to start because it, it, it shows you, right. It highlights that, that there are these two organizations that are that one that is buying really hard for our, our resources and our time. And that is networks. They want something from us. Um, communities. I don't feel like necessarily are fighting for us. I, I don't, I don't know that a community works that way, right? They, they don't, they're there, they're grounded, they're there um, and they're welcoming, but they're not gonna necessarily come after you um, because they stand to benefit from you. Does that make sense? And, and so I think what, just understanding the distinction between the networks in our, like, and, and naming the organizations in our lives, naming them, oh, that's a network, oh, that's a community. And then understanding what networks do and don't do for us, what they ask of us, and then what communities do for us and ask for us. And understanding that distinction, I think is is uh, a step in, in, a, in a mind shift. Because until you do, maybe you're like, we're not even aware, right? Like we're not even aware of, of where our time is going. I, before this podcast, I was looking on YouTube. I wanted to just kind of see what people are saying about community. And I, and I use lots of different phrases to see what would come up for a community on YouTube. I didn't Google it because I was cooking and I just wanted to listen to something and almost everything, right. That by like a ratio of, um, I'd say, Oh, I don't know. Um, easily three to one, four to one, five to one, something like that. It was people were were conflating networks and communities. It was like, how do I build my online community? How do I build my business community? And and when you read this article, you realize those aren't community, those aren't real communities because of the way that community communities or the, because of the elements of community, which is proximity right proximity matters um geography matters and the number of people in a community matters and so when you start ticking off all these things you realize oh that's not a community that's not a real community it's a network so i, I think being able to distinguish these or the difference between networks and communities in our lives is a good step in realizing, wow, I'm spending a lot of my time, my family is spending a lot of time in networks that aren't really truly filling us and, and, you know, filling my soul and giving us these transformative opportunities to become better people. I need community in my life. And, and then if you arrive at that place of really wanting community in your life, I hope people will, will turn to their church community first and see and see what they can do there. And if you happen to have um, access to a Commonwealth, oh my goodness, for sure, right? For sure, um, check out if they're a network or a community before you decide to join it, because you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised that not all Commonwealths are are built the same. I think that's one place to start is just is just being able to understand the difference between networks and communities. I think we can be. I love what you said, everything you said. And I think we can be in a community and be having a network experience by virtue of how we're engaging with the community. And so within our communities, I think we need to talk a lot about community and we do. It's probably um, like to an annoying point at this at this juncture about how much I mention community, how much Olivia mentions community because it's constant. But I think we need to talk about the results of community, the, the benefits of community, what community looks like. I think we need to use this language um, often um, and point things out because we might be seeing things and not attributing them to the right cause, right? So when we attribute them to the right cause, we can see things more clearly. Um, I also think that um, kind of a bit circling back to our original discussion about personality um, communities versus, versus which are, are really networks versus this kind of community, a commonwealth is um, the the governing documents is what makes the difference. And if you are upholding the governing documents, you're not um, you're not tearing them apart. They, they are what makes the community. Living within them, if they are well-made, if they're well-written, if they're based on true principles, living within the, those governing documents in your community um, is what makes it work. So as soon as you start to um, kind of pick, pick, pick it apart, kind of piecemeal it, 
um, say, well, we're going to look the other way for this thing, or maybe we'll let this thing slide, um, it diminishes uh, people's sense of community. We need to know which way's up and which way's down. We need to know what actions bear which results. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of reliability, um, security, even maybe belonging can be threatened when we start to um, to pull apart those governing documents or those constitutions and not keep them whole and strong. And then it becomes about an individual, right? Individual needs, individual wants, individual desires, instead of what's best for the, the organization, the community. Well, Olivia and Katie, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been um just eye-opening and I am so grateful that we could continue talking about community because it, it really it is the foundation for for so much of our lives and I know I have been so blessed my family has been so blessed by community and I just I, I want it for everybody else too because I know what a huge difference it makes so thank you again for coming on thanks for listening to this episode just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired, but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things. <laughs>